G'day and welcome back to the Fantasy Take TV podcast. Round one has passed, the new season is upon us. Um, very, very happy about it. Enjoyed watching the footy on the weekend. Uh, today, we're going to go across the agenda, which is early trade strategy. There is a lot of lot of things to talk about here. George wants to spend all his trades already, so we need, me and Jaddy need to talk him out of it. Um, Some must-have players. There's probably a couple of them. A few players of concern. Um, these two boys, gentlemen in front of me, have a couple of those. And some plays to jump on. Um, There's some guys that George wants to waste his trades on already. Um, the mid price not forward. waste. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The mid price forwards as well. There was a few of those, and, and a lot of those did look pretty good. And then we'll end it with our captaincy and, and vice captaincy options for the coming week. So, um, welcome in, boys. George, good to see you, mate. Good to see you, boys. Um, just a shame that we can only use one trade boost per week. That's all I'll say. <laughs> And JD, how are you, mate? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Eno. And yeah, I'm glad it's only one a week. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure George would have like four 300k mids after week one. <laughs> he should have started the whole mid-price midfield and have eight midfielders and three forwards and he'd be happy. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into it. So I think the first thing we want to talk about is value. And George put this on the agenda because that's all he's seeing right now. So George, maybe you kick it off, mate. What, what are you seeing right now after round one? Well, I think I said in my weekly video that I think playing it safe this year was pretty unforgiving. Um, previous years, it's been all right. But I think this year, I, it is only one round of data, but a lot of the players we expect expected to do really well. Like for me, Isaac Heaney, I expected to do really well. Tim English, solo ruck, sixth year. Um, what can he do in the ruck? In the midfield, I think a lot of us, most of us have Rao, but a few people might have missed out on Rao. Um, down back, George Hewitt. If you like Sicily, I do. I know a few people don't. That's fine. So there's a lot of very underpriced players who I think will be keepers. Rao has, probably has keeper potential, but you know, see how he goes long term. So the way I see it is in the next two rounds, there's a chance to grab keepers that are very well underpriced. And a lot of us have started players who are way overpriced, such as Crisp or gone he'll probably hold anyway but still it hurts to see how much value people are getting out of that that slot at r1 or r2 or whatever so i want to jump on some players now and jump off my overpriced players because we have more trades to use and yeah that's pretty much pretty much what i'm trying to say trying to say so i don't know jd what are you thinking right now are you thinking it's too early there's not enough data um are you ready to jump on some guys or are you not seeing the value that I'm seeing? I think this feels like a classic round one overreaction. We have this every year with players that go off in round one and it just doesn't continue out the year. We have premiums that underperform in round one every year. We saw it from Gorn and Grundy last year, but the winning strategy was easily to stick with them and not go with the value ruck option, which Eno and I, well, actually Eno hasn't been, but I've been forced into uh, so like I'm, I'd much rather have gone and bleed the value on him and have that safety at the moment rather than go for extreme value. You've been playing fantasy for a couple of years now and it's kind of leaked into how you think about Supercoach, unfortunately, George. I think the positive is that we do have the five extra trades this year. And when AFL Fantasy went from, what, 30 to 44 trades or whatever it was, the winning strategy that was eventually found and what everyone uses now is to play with more midfield, uh, mid prices. So I think there probably is an element of Supercoach now where we need to play with slightly more mid prices than what we have in previous years. But I think if you go too aggressive, you're going to get into the situation where you're going to have lots of 
keepers that aren't top of the position. You might have Hewitt and Sicily and someone else that all end up around D10. And you have Lipinski and Rao that kind of end up around M12 to M15. And so you get there quicker, but I'm not sure that you have enough scoring potential to see at the end of the year. And that's what I'm worried about if we go too aggressive too early. We burn through those trades. We get a, a keeper team kind of a little bit earlier than others, but that fades towards the back end of the year when some of the really paid up premium teams come storming home. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it pretty well. I'm putting more on the side of JD where, um, yeah, I just You're want to boring. consider trades at the start. <laughs> I'm not boring. It's I think they have to be an absolute must-have and like really have keeper upside for me to make a move after round one or round two for him. So I think the only guy I see in that is Matt Rao. You might see Lipinski in there too, George, but I just don't see him being as a keeper. Not must-have, no, but I'd like no? be a nice luxury to have. Is Lipinski probably... Um, I don't think he because the top eight quality is just unbelievable. So it's hard to see him breaking into that. But um, yeah, he's been waiting for this opportunity for years now, years to get inside bid, and we saw what he can do. So I think he can go one hundred five plus. I think there's upside for more, to be honest. But low sample size. So regardless, I think he makes two hundred k. That's my view on him. Two hundred k is probably like a best case scenario for him. So. Yeah, I would probably throw Raul at the top. If you don't have him, he's an absolute target to get. But all these other guys, I just, you know, we don't have to move for Hewitt. We don't have to move for, for Lipinski, in my opinion, all these other mid-prices. But um, look, he's definitely underpriced as well, but just someone that we don't really need right now in the forward line, um, just the way the structures have gone. But um, yeah, obviously, you seem a bit more aggressive, George, and me and Jay more on the conservative side. But, um, yeah, I see Rao as the only one you really absolutely must have. Um, do we see any other must-haves here? I know, I think we've written down Lockie Neal. If you don't have him, we just, you got to find a way, boys. Yeah, I think there's the occasional yeah. person that said they don't have Neil, which is quite rare, hopefully, especially being listed yeah. twice because it's been locked in all preseason. But if you don't have Neil, looks like going to provide, like be a top eight keeper, provide... A, tremendous value and so i think like even if you had like oliver and steel and one of them underperformed next week i would still endorse trading one of them to neil just because of the money you make for similar scoring um yeah he, he looks like a real must-have same george don't really see anybody else obviously like the rookies i think we'll get too soon so in terms of yeah mid prices and premiums they're probably the only ones i guess maybe dunkley if you don't have him um, oh, yeah. Grundy? No, I think others... I, I, my take on Grundy is his time on ground is... I'd have to double check, but it in previous years, it's been like low 80s rather than 90 when it was um, back in the day. I'll get that up in a sec, but I think he's like 120, not 130 anymore. Yeah, so I think he's at... When he was at his peak scoring, he was um, like high 80s. And then over the last two years, he went 84 and 81%. And then time on ground on the weekend was back to 85%. Okay, yeah. Which is promising. I mean, the stuff we heard over the preseason was that he'd slimmed down, lost weight, improved his running capability. So yeah, you'd hope to see a little bit more time on ground from him this year. Um, we wanted to quickly get on to trade boost strategy. Just your early, early thoughts on it. Uh, would you use it in round so after next week, heading into round three? If say you had more than obviously two correctionals to do, would you rather wait for one more week of data and then pop a trade boost if you need to do do three changes, or would you rather get one you think is pretty certain of being 
being done next week anyway out the way and then um you know try not to use a trade boost next week what, what do you think about that george and uh, no trade boosts are no go zone for me i know i joked earlier in the video that i want to use five um but in all in the one week but um trade boosts for me are for accelerating upgrades from round six to round 10 ish round nine that sort of range only if they're completely necessary if the rookies aren't there to downgrade they're not there and then i think i want to save one for the round 14 buyer where it's always going to be tough assuming by that point maybe we have Gordon and grundy I, maybe other people have different or darcy as well um i think there's a few others in that buy as well so that's what i'm thinking so yeah use them to get ahead on upgrades hopefully that means an extra rookie off the field than other people that have used a um trade boost earlier for a few weeks so my take is no i think probably the only case is if you don't have all these rookies like you don't have martin you don't have hayes you don't have neil you don't have Rao. plus you maybe have another issue that would be probably the only scenario where i would use one up. um yep. so like Rao's just got a 150 in his price cycle neil's got a 140 you got to get him now <laughs> so um yeah that's probably the only case but uh, no, no touch zone for me, unless like a catastrophe happens. Uh, no. Yeah. JD, I yeah. think you might be using a trade this week to try and avoid that next week. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm in, uh, I guess, like a little bit of a trickier position where I've got two premiums that I'm seriously concerned about in Crispin Ridley, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And then I've also got two of the cheaper rookies that um, I need to trade in most likely, which is Martin and Hayes. And so for me, it's like if I'm using going to use four trades over two weeks and it makes sense to do two now and two next week and save the trade boost. But I'm hoping that I don't actually need to do all four of those. So I'm hoping that, you know, one of Crisper Ridley comes good or maybe like Hayes gets knocked out by Ryder and I only need to use two trades next week and can save one. So for me, it's like, do I take the safety of saving a trade boost next week now by doing two trades this week? Or do I risk having to use a trade boost this next week, but potentially save an extra trade now? And I'm on the side of like, I'd rather risk it to save the extra trade. Um, and if that means I have to use a trade boost next week, then so be it. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it at the moment. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I guess, in the ideal world, I don't need to use any other trades next week. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Like just yeah. quickly for me, like, I don't have Jack Hayes. So obviously, like reasons for that, I didn't thought Ryder was going to take his spot. But... Um, I, the other like side of it is I want to trade somebody to get Jack Hayes in, but I'm not actually sure who yet. It's probably going to be Dixon because I think Darling's about to come back and that might hurt his job security, but I've been wrong on job security with these guys before. So um, I'll just, yeah, one of the, like as much as I want to get these guys in now, um, I also want to figure out which one I get rid of. Yep. So yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a really good point. You, you think you want, Hayes and Martin right now, but you might trade the, the wrong rookie that ends up being good a good one as well. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, waiting another week on data is, is definitely probably the way to go. Um, we just talked about a few of them, those probably the four rookies that, um, you know, besides the guys that pretty much everyone owns, like Dacos and, and Horn Francis and even the defender rookies, we, we had none. So we've all got McCartan and DeConning and, and probably mostly Hinge as well. But Hayes, we spoke about Martin and then Rochelle and Durden. Um, Rochelle really impressed as well. I'm the only guy here without him, so he's one I need to monitor next week. And again, he's not going to be easy to get to if he becomes sort of a must have. But what about Corey Durden, guys? I think we've all got him. Should people be 
be looking to get him in as well next week. He's 140, 143K, so it may be a little hard, but um, what, what do you think, JD? So I think none of them are must trade-ins this week as long as your team's in a good position, right? Like my team's in a bad enough position, I'm going to have to go early on one. And so that's a calculated gamble that I'd rather not take, but I'm going to have to. For everyone else, I think you wait and see the second week. Durden looks like a really good forward option, but probably behind Rochelle, Martin and Hayes, who we've talked about. So it's only if you've got all three of those and you still got room for another one that like Durden is a good option. But yeah, wait and see what they score next week before they get their first price rise. You could have a situation where Durden scores 120 and the other three that we talked about all score 40 and he becomes the most obvious like must have because he's going to have that 120 in his early price rises while the other is going to get 40. So that's the benefit of waiting. Um, but yeah, like they all look like really strong forward rookies and you probably want all four of them ideally. I think if you miss on Durden, it's not going to kill you based on what we've seen so far, but he's going to be a really strong cash generator if you don't have him. How would you yeah. rank these guys, George, moving forward? Um, Definitely... Oh, probably Nick Martin one, and then Hayes two, factoring in price. Rochelle three, Durden four. Yeah, factoring price and uh, you know field ability as well. Yes, it's just with like Hayes did this in the in the SNFL, so this is not a one off. Yeah. He would, look, there will be down games, like there will be yeah. you feel him, oh, you yeah. feel bad about it, but there will also be good times as well when you feel him. So, like, I definitely want Hayes and Martin. Um, Rochelle's a little more trickier to trade in if you don't have him yep. just because of his price. And we say he's not going to do this every week, but he's literally done this every game that he's played in the preseason, including like <laughs> trial games. So I'll keep saying it till it happens. <laughs> we'll see. Um, um, and yeah, Durden's yeah. a little tricky to get in as well. So the, don't move mountains mm. to get Durden in. It's just if you can go Owens to Durden and you have the money randomly, that's the only scenario I'd do that. Otherwise, just leave it. All right, guys, we're going to get on to the more, the more annoying part that, that you two are going to have to go over, and I'll try and give my opinion as well. But players are concerned, and um, I can't put him up on screen because today we've gone with the the more intimate, the more intimate intimate setup. If you're watching on YouTube, but uh, Jack Crisp, Jack Crisp. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the, all of the game. I, I was a bit busy, so you two probably had your eyes fixated on it, and. Uh, from the sounds of our conversations, you did not like what you saw. So I'll go to you, JD, first, if you want to get your thoughts out of the way. All I can say is you are lucky you didn't have to watch the woeful effort that was Jack Crisp in the midfield as one of the poorest performances I've seen. He has no midfield craft. He has no clue what he's doing in there. He doesn't know when to spread, when to attack the ball, when to tackle. He looks lost. He looked like a first gamer, honestly, that was doing his first game in the midfield, and it was terrible like it was so bad i can't <laughs> overstate how bad he was the only time and like and then like the worst part is that in in the preseason games when he wasn't on the ball he was behind the ball and so between the two he kind of his scoring was pretty good this game they put him forward of the ball when he wasn't on the ball and it was shocking he has I even less that. of an idea what to do at half forward than he does in the midfield this is a terrible role, and if it keeps up, he is a must-trade next week. We saw a couple of small highlights from Crisp, which was him receiving through the middle at pace, kicking at 50 metres long into a forward line, setting up goals. But those moments were so far and few between 
that he like it's hard to see him scoring 100 in this role which is crazy given that he had 55% CBAs on the weekend yeah it's very concerning this feels like there's parallels to Caleb Daniel last year where things have sort of shifted around him and it's uh I think you definitely want to see another week of data um I'm not sure I can do that if I have plans for next week I, I think crisp is a hold for one week um is just a lot of money tied up to him so and if you don't have Hewitt you could who Hewitt plays the dogs this week by the way so it might not be the best outing we'll see how it goes but I think you can bank 170k right there from a potential issue to Hewitt who I'm pretty confident will be a keeper so see how he goes he looked awful like he struggled to find the ball few of his kicks inside just direct turnovers oh my goodness it was like finally he did oh. something it's a turnover god damn the one where he like finally got a cheap mark on the wing turns oh, yeah. his eyes yeah 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 and like oh. like like hits the opposition 20 meters away on the chest yeah wasn't it Colin, yeah, wasn't... Goal. <laughs> okay oh. yeah here's the thing because this people are like hold your premiums hold your premiums hold your premiums and like shut up shut up shut up i'm saying because <laughs> it's, it's true but um, you know, things might work out for him eventually. He kind of finds his way in that team. Like in the Amy game, when he played really well, uh, Lipinski was injured and Dugowie was, I don't know, playing sore. He was just invisible that game because he had the, maybe he had the rib issue, probably more forward as well. So it was a Lipinski and Dugowie show on the weekend. There was no, ta- there's so. no Taylor Adams either. And he led that midfield. Now he's back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like he's kind of players are doing what he was doing before. And like he's been asked to play midfield when you know that that's not his best role. Yeah. So when there's issues with the role, you can ask questions. It's not as simple as he's a premium, hold him. There's role issues. Yeah. Ideally, you watch another week. Like, there's a very big difference between like Crisp, who, yeah, it's role versus someone like Oliver, Steele, Gorn, who just had down games. They had too many clangers, like kind of games script didn't go their way, whatever it is, right? Like, they're going to bounce back. They've still got the same role. They're still the same players. What, like, Crisp showed that he couldn't play midfield and it was a worse role than the preseason. And, like, you paid 570K for 22 games of 100 to 105. You're not getting that. I don't think you're getting 100 average based on what we saw on the weekend. And that's scary. So, he's got the Crows this weekend. And if he doesn't bounce back, he is probably gone from my side. I'd say, like, more likely than not that he's gone next week if if he doesn't post a really really good score and actually look decent against the crows this week i just want to see him look good in the role that whatever the hell role he plays so um <laughs> yeah yeah and then probably move on to ridley i guess yeah ridley's this the other a, one this is a mess if you they doubled threw, up on these two you're really they threw really him, they threw him forward what the hell yeah i mean oh, the game was already well, over by the he still almost sure. outscored Chris, by the way. <laughs> going going yeah. forward for a quarter where he saw nothing. Oh. So, um, yeah, like a, a few things went down um, badly here. I spoke about this on my review probably in a bit of detail because I'm a bomb enough. But Essendon's midfield was terrible. If you watched the game, you saw it. We got smashed out of stoppages. We got smashed out of the center. And for the first two quarters, it was Dangerfield hitting whichever forward on the chest that he wanted. There's no opportunity for the defense to set up, to spoil, to intercept Mark. It was it was really quite bad. And then even when the game kind of started getting 
a little bit more on Essendon's terms with uh, like basically the cats just taking the foot off off the gas pedal. Ridley then like started cramping. They started moving around magnets in the second half, like doing stuff like playing Parrish forward, putting Ridley as the third tall. And it's really hard to know what was going on in terms of how much of it was Parrish. Uh, sorry, was Ridley not playing good versus like it was Essendon's midfield just being awful versus there being potentially something wrong with Ridley. And I, I from that game, I cannot tell you. So it's once again one of those things where they've got Brisbane this weekend, and you're looking for the midfield and Essen as a whole to bounce back, and then you can maybe get a read on where Ridley's at this year. But yeah, like for someone I was really bullish on in the preseason, I'm now super worried based on what I saw. Do you have the same, George? Yeah, Ridley's like, it's there's a lot of moving parts around him. By the way, Essendon are just moving magnets like no tomorrow i don't know why well we had we had we had langford go down which was pretty bad because he was uh like normally he plays wing half forward but with us only playing two tall forwards and baldwin being the second tall as a first gamer they were planning to use langford up forward a a bunch i think so when he went down early and they brought cutler on who can't play forward of the ball like yeah it just messed up the structure yeah, yeah, yeah. Played defense, so yeah. yeah. So you had like Jake Kelly coming up the wing. You had Ridley in the forward line for a little bit. They were just trying to do stuff that worked. But to be honest, it wouldn't have mattered what you did because the midfield was getting so badly beaten. You couldn't judge whether the forwards or the defense was good based on that game. Yeah. So I think it's rookie, um, correct, rookie corrections this week and then look at them next week. But I'm very concerned. So just on rookie, be... on rookie corrections yeah. then... Who who can you trade out this week? Which rookies can you turf? Probably just uh, Machito. Machito could come could come good, but uh, it'd be pretty shocking if he played again after sitting him on the bench for fifty percent of the game. That was a really strange decision. Yeah, just him, and then Hugh Dixon. If what you say is true, George, and that Darling's actually not too far away. I think he could. I think Bailey Williams is probably probably worse. I think there's a chance true. Dixon stays in. We'll see. True. I, want, I kind of I want thought, to hold Dixon. I thought Dixon looked all right. Like he yeah. led well at the ball. I think he had a goal. He crushed packs when he flew at it. Like there was a couple of almost marks, which I thought was pretty good sign. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked his game. And the thing is, if he's in the side, it's hard for me to think that trading him to Hayes is a worthwhile trade. Because I, th- yeah. I think he's going to make 150K pretty easily, Dixon himself. It's hard. It's yeah, because I want to hold most of these guys or all of these guys. It's just Hayes could really sting. If he puts up like a one twenty again in a few weeks' time, he could get to four hundreds. So I guess like a bit of caution on um, Ward, who had roughly fifty percent CBAs but scored thirty six on the weekend. Given that he's got an elevated price tag of 180, if he drops another 30, you know, like basically another poor game next week, is he someone that you can trade out? I think it's definitely on the cards. Obviously, the rookie would have to be, would have to look very good or, or you know, um, one you can't really pass up because he just faded out of the game. He was uh, cramping towards the end, spent, you know, the last 10 minutes or so on the bench and, um, yeah, look, I mean, Sam Mitchell was joking around about it, saying you should find vi- f- footage of Joshy because he, c- he can barely walk or something. Yeah. But it's not a great sign, but he showed that he can do it in the preseason. So, um, yeah, it'd have to be another pretty poor game or poor score, put it that way. The only thing worse than trading premiums that do well is trading capable rookies and watch them make 200K 
Yeah, Tom Powell last year. Don't, don't yeah, talk to James me about Jordan. the James James Jordan experience. <laughs> uh, so I think that was a good learning experience last year well, for me, anyway. So he's yeah. a capable rookie. I want to hold him on the bench. It's just if there has to be someone that comes in for someone like a Nick Martin, and he's the worst one. I guess it's probably him. But like I, ninety nine percent, like I do not want to trade trade Josh Ward. Looking at what he did in the second preseason game, but it is a little concerning that pulled up sore from the practice game and then he like barely got through the, this game true so, one i just want to like point. he i'm not he's not touching my field for a while um i, so I, I guess just, like the other concerning thing as well is like that was against easy opposition in a game that they won you're not predicting too many hawk wins for the year which is just like where do the where do the big spike games come from where do, where do the points come from and like sure we've seen lots of rookies score well in poor performing teams it's just that is a little bit of concerning that even when they had the easy kill that he didn't really perform. Just chuck him on the bench and just assess yeah. in a few weeks. I'm not really interested in trading him. All right, we'll move on to just top targets. And obviously we're not really anywhere near upgrade season yet, but just guys that, you know, most of us wouldn't own and ones we watched on the weekend and looked like, damn, you know, they're definitely guys we would want to own in the future. Um, We'll start on defense, and I think Tom Stewart is probably close to the top of the list, if not up there with the other guy. But, yeah, he looked really impressive. Scored about 30 points in the first five or six minutes when I was watching, and that just helped him tick up for the rest of the game because the ball wasn't really coming to him at all for the rest, <laughs> rest of the entire game. So, yeah, obviously the foot was the main concern with him, but everything else ticks. He ticks all the boxes. His role's been the same for four years, and... Geelong just play that same game style, although they did take the game on a bit on the weekend, but that's probably a, a product of the way the game played out. But yeah, would, would Stuart be on the top of your you two guys list, JD? Yeah, I think if I'm sidewaysing a defender this week, he is either target one or target two. I think he has to be the yeah, he, he had the potential to go much larger on the weekend if Essendon put up any form of resistance. There was what six behinds for the game from Essendon and Stewart took half those kickouts. So yeah, if there was actually much of a competition down back, it looks like all ball is going to go through Stewart to exit defense. So uh, would absolutely be my target. I guess he's got the blend of durability and scoring power that I don't see from any other defenders at the moment. Don't think his durability is that good. A lot it's, of his issues have been better, in season. It's better than the only other person I would have ahead of him for scoring. I guess we can say yeah, that enough. is, and that's obviously Aaron Hall. So I think a lot of us are watching that game going, damn, I wish I owned this guy, but he just really couldn't. And especially with all the all the preseason um, talk over injuries and, and whatnot, having doing a hamstring in the last game before it or second last game, wasn't it? But to be touch and go for round one and just get up and it was a really hard selection to make. Um, a, a few did go with it, but he's only, I think, 2% ownership. So um Man, I was worried he was going 200 at halftime and he did slow up in the second half. Maybe that's a factor of his, you know, um, interrupted preseason. But yeah, his role is amazing and he and he is really, really good in it. Like, well, I think he was 100% by foot the first half, which is just insane. And they're not hard kicks either. You know, they're, sorry, they're not easy kicks either. He's taken on really, really, you know, tough 45 um, degree kicks. But yeah, would he be your D1 target if you're not factoring in durability, boys? Uh, if he if you could guarantee twenty two <laughs> games, he would. You'd do anything you could to get him in your side. Like he's that far clear of the other defenders when it comes to scoring power at the moment. 
I mean, I'm, I don't start players that have had a soft tissue injury within like the first you know, leading up to round one. I, that's not going to change now. It could hurt because we know he's ceiling, but it's just I would have started him if I didn't have that rule, I guess. So that's why I didn't start Dawson, but his his was less serious. So um, and then no, there's, but it's, it's going to sting though. And then the, I guess like in terms of other targets just for the next couple of weeks, you've got to keep Hewitt front of mind as well before the price rise, just because even though we don't see him scoring as high as some of these other two, he's at 400K rather than what, 580. So that's a, a massive cash difference. There's a lot of value there to what George is talking about. And I guess me, like I could go Crisp and Ridley to a Stewart or Hall, but I do have to consider going to say a Hewitt over one of them just because of the value that it provides and, and the money that kind of helps with upgrading. So yeah, those are probably the three big ones that are worth keeping in mind at the moment if we're forced to make corrections or if you're thinking about who to upgrade to first in a few weeks. Cool. And we've got midfield. I mean, we have Lipinski here for the midfield. We probably spoke a little bit on him before. George, George has Lipinski <laughs> in the midfield. No one yeah. asked him to put it there. <laughs> are there well, any others? Like Tom Green, we're not we're not touching like looked really, really good, but 430 K it's not someone you're probably trading in. Same could be said it's, about Crypt. It's hard with green. It's the sample size isn't there. He did a hamstring late last year, which is never a great sign. And you need him to be a keeper at 430 K, whatever he is. It could work, but it could not work. I'm not sure it's worth the risk, but yeah. I think the one that is really interesting is um, Luke McDonald, right? Who went massive on the weekend, was playing that halfback role again where he's been a primo in the past. He's 370K as a mid, which is obviously a really awkward price. But the difference between him and some of these others is that he would be a defensive keeper once he gets DPP in round six. So it's kind of interesting to think about, is he worth selecting after maybe the end of next week with an eye on him going into your defense at, at round six? On Luke McDonald, I'm not sure if he gets more accountable roles going forward because, you know, when he was a 118 average in 2020, second half of the year when he got the halfback role, he was the primary distributor down there. Now they have Hull. He Hull is probably still number one distributor back there. So he took an absurd amount of intercepts, um, probably did a bit more defending than Hull did. So it's it's... Hard to get a read on this one, really hard. So I want to see another week, and even then it's a little dicey. So I think it's going to require a little bit more research, and yeah, it's going to be very hard to fit him in as well, especially for me who I'm trying to fit Lip in. So <laughs> one to keep an eye on, but uh, a little bit of uncertainty on this one. So I definitely would not go him this week. I think get another week of data and assess from there. Uh, one other to bring up actually with this range is uh, Newcomb. Did you catch much of him in the Hawks game? I missed the second half, but apparently that's where he went off. He finished on a 119. He's priced at 261K, so is an alternative to Barry if Barry doesn't pan out next week. Yeah, I did ask about him because I saw his score and, and then I saw his price, but apparently he did play forward and was just involved in a lot of the scores in, in the second half, like kicked a goal. I think he had a goal assist or two and obviously that helped win the game. So I think he got quite a lot of scaling because, yeah, he only 79 dream team for 120 super coach pretty much. So he I had uh, played a part. 43% CBAs, which was slightly yeah. less than Ward, but obviously did a lot more with the opportunity. And then uh, I guess like the only other thing with the mid uh, mids is we talked about a lot of the value options. We also talked about, I guess, a couple of the premiums um, in yep. defense. Are there any of the primos that caught your eyes kind of 
must-haves or first upgrade targets? First upgrade targets. Look, you know, if you don't have gonna... if, if you don't have Took Miller oh. and McRae, <laughs> stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we it's need these guys the, uh, to drop a bad score in, in a month's time, right? To be able to probably afford them. You know, like the the 87 from Steel, that's in round one. That's not going to help in dropping his score if he bounces back. Um, I do feel like it's... I would rather be jumping on value rather than fair price players right now. Such Tom as Mitchell? Sure. I mean, no. Tom Mitchell dropped an 80, didn't look too good. If no. he gets it cheap enough... I want to right, see. Yeah, he had groin problems with leading into round one, and I think we saw that play yeah. out. So that's yeah. uh, he's going to be a hard avoid. More for, for in a month's month's time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, no, what about no Petraka? Did he impress enough for him to be a target? Do you actually think there's value at his price? Well, he's only six hundred k. I guess. I guess if you started yeah. him, well done. Um, How the hell do you get to Petraka? It's like impossible. Yeah, it's true because you're not sidewaysing any of your premiums. I guess if you're going crazy and trading out gone um, <laughs> but yeah i was like i don't, I don't know how you do it no it's not you're not going to laugh for structure either okay um the rucks i think there's really only one maybe two jd can can put a case forward but tim english um a lot did actually end up starting him in in our discord anyway a lot a few have him at r2 and and benefited <laughs> benefited from that because he, he looked really good and Look, I think he had seven free kicks. So 123 is a good score, but probably taper your expectations a bit with that. But um, yeah, do you wish you started him at R2, George? Yes, of course. I, didn't have the <laughs> I saw the matchup against Gorn and I saw what happened in the grand final where they, I think they played Steph mostly in the ruck anyway. So he's improved his ruck work over the preseason. It wasn't outstanding, but he's competing a bit better at the tab. He's not getting annihilated. He's just you know, losing... A little bit around the around the groundwork is first class taking marks down back intercept marks taking marks on the wing getting involved in chains um you I mean, can snag like, a keeper with a high ceiling for 470k right here this this is like a lot of hindsight though so we thought that he might be viable as a pick if he was ruck one but all the talk was that martin was still going to be rucking and english was going to be playing forward in relief and team sheets were named and English <laughs> was not the number one ruck. Martin was. And it was just because Martin was a late out. So I think you either had to mm-hmm. be like really bullish on English even before that, which to me seems foolish. Um, or like you had to be ready for a Martin laid out and now you're taking the gamble that Martin doesn't come back in throughout the year. I think Bevo mentioned afterwards that they like he liked how the one ruck worked and had English as solo ruck. But yeah, like... I don't know. That's that's the part that scares me about okay. beverage is I trolling think, on think, team Yeah, I think he was always doing that. He's, yeah, you know, obviously the Tom Morris thing, which we're not getting mm. into, but he he trolled with that. He put Hunter in, put him back out just to stuff around. So, well, I mean, we'll wait to Wednesday see if his name's Ruck again and and Steph's not in the team. But I think they want to continue with it. Yeah, I think they have he, to. Like he Steph's said, cooked a week before. Yeah, he is, and he said a week before we need Tim to Ruck. That's what he said. Yep. Tim English is the number one ruck there. I don't know but, what the... Like, but Tim, Tim doesn't want a ruck. Isn't that the problem? That I he think he wants to be... now. Last year, it was he wanted to be a forward. This year, in the preseason, he's worked really hard on his ruck work. I think he wants to... He's taken the challenge to be the, the number one ruck. I think that Does... was the most impressive thing about him, by the way, in that game, which is he didn't beat Gone in the ruck or anything like that, but he held his own. Like, he didn't get dominated. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, he's at the point where... 
he's not the best tap ruckman. He probably never will be, but at least he like kind of halves the contest and then does the work around the ground to make the super coach points. I know I've been called an idiot for suggesting going to English, but my logic is if it depends on how high you are on English, I think, and what Gorn's break even is, because obviously you want Gorn back, but Gorn we know will drop. If he continues the way he scored with Jackson, he will drop 100k like he did last year to 550. And like I'm not sure what English's ceiling in ceiling is. He scored a 90, I think a 110 and a 120, something like that in the last three games, including like those are the preseason games. Um, so this week, worth noting, he had eight frees for, but he was against Gorn and Jackson, arguably the the nightmare matchup in the ruck. So. It's interesting. I, I want to, I want one more look at, in, at English. If I think English can go one ten plus, which is I guess really hard to guess. Um, see how he goes if, this week plays against Tom DeConing. If he completely annihilates him, um, which he probably should, I'll consider jumping on because he's so cheap and Gorn is so overpriced. But I think just, other people are like, just quickly, would you do that move? You know. If I had gone, uh, I could. I'd have to consider what the money would get me. Would you be, you know, would you be upgrading a a berry or something to a, another forward or a defender or something? Or you know, where would you put be putting that? What is it, two hundred k into? If you still had like Chapman, you could get Chapman to Hewitt, then that's like pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like because it's it's hundred and seventy k now plus like English is under. Price gone is overpriced, and maybe it's another 50 100k. So it could be a 250k trade with you losing some points in the short term, but yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of things that have to go right. Like, gone can't go off, English has to continue to perform like a forward six, uh, primo. You can't have Martin coming back into the team, like, it's risky. I think it's one of those things where, like, if you have no other problems with your team, you've nailed all the rookies, everything else looks fine. And you're trying to get a leg up on the competition, then it's definitely a risk you could take. All right, like I don't think it's the worst idea. Yeah. Just quickly, shout out to uh, forty scores. He actually had eight. Uh, sorry, six hitouts to advantage, and Gorn only had eight. Look, he did lose the hitouts overall considerably, but uh, you know that's well, pretty decent. Although small time numbers against Jackson. Compared, yeah, small time numbers Jackson. compared to my man with. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, do you want to make a case for your man Witsy? <laughs> no, I, I mean, don't he's think not a target. Is he? <laughs> for him. No, 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 no. But he looked like he, he looked, looked much better, much better than what I expected off the ACL. Um, his time on ground was above seventy five percent, just which is what I thought the target would be for him coming back. Uh, he obviously looked great with Raul and Miller at his feet, which does allow those hitouts to advantage. And he held his own against Nick Now, I actually think he probably won the ruck, ruck battle overall negated Nick Nat around the ground when it came to marking contests. So, yeah, it was really good for those that have him or got forced into him with the Darcy incident. He looks like he could work out as long as he stays on the park. But obviously, they don't play West Coast each week in close games that they win. So, yeah, don't expect those big scores. But if we kind of get a 90 average, well, actually, I think we're kind of hoping for 100 average. But, yeah, 90 plus is good. I can see George is like trying to hold it back because he's getting really upset that Darcy worked out, but for all the wrong reasons. No, no, it's fine. It's I think it's just it's not only wits. It's like it's all even Hayes. It's just like we, I'm getting smashed at points per dollar at this uh, with having gone. It's just it's not good. I don't like it. 
Suppose one, one week, week. And, and Gorn did this last year. He's good. Scored Gorn is every year. We thought Gorn was going to go one goes last year. Next week, mate, and uh, JD fields a wits for a fifty. I field Hayes for a sixty. You'll be only, you'll be singing you singing something else next. The part. only time he went one fifty with Jackson, I think last year was the game he kicked five goals against Geelong, and then the other game where he got like thirty points for the goal on the siren. It's just it's it's so much rarer. Like it's it was like a norm the past two yeah, years, but it's just very rare now. Gorn is a one on right. five guy. That that's how I view that. I think we can move on, but you can yeah, yeah see right now. Uh, the forwards, what what you know, the forwards that impressed us because you know most of us besides George really only have dunks, butters, and then straight to cogs. So we we have to sort of start looking at who will be our targets and Isaac Heaney. Isaac Heaney, we we all dream of him. I would have started him. I would. I think he would have been my third choice if structure allowed. I know what we saw the last game before the season started wasn't great, but I still saw the upside at his price and know that he can average mid nineties as a forward anyway. So. How does it feel, Jules, to sort of own somewhat of a pod in Isaac at F? Is he F two or F three? F F two feels really good, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, his game was good. I guess I was trying to add up. Like I knew they wanted it. They trained him all in the midfield in the preseason, and then I saw the team sheets. I think like you know Logan McDonald, McLean, and Buddy were in the forward line. Like what? You're going to run a fourth tall for the entire game? So, yeah, his role was uh, he can score anywhere, which is the beauty of owning him. But, um, yeah, started on a wing, bit of half forward, bit of deep forward, bit of bit of CBAs, and then more full-time mid in the second half. And, yeah, I just watched him the whole game run up and down the ground, and it was a joy to watch. It was, yeah, he his ability to run. I'd love to see the Tolstra tracker numbers or whatever they do because it would be very high. So he did struggle a little bit to get his hands on it. I think it was more wing in the first quarter, but um, yeah, once he got going, you know, GWS, bunch of pick, top five picks, no match for Isaac, none of them. So <laughs> 450K. And again, look, the durability thing is a lot of people would have looked at him and gone, ah, oh, we've been through this before. Um, the durability will always be there in terms of being reckless, but I thought it was worth it. And it's round one and hopefully things keep going the way they are. So here we go. Is he a? Do you guys view him as someone that you must get in, or is it just you know you're happy with the mid prices you got at the moment? He can't be a must get in, but for me, he's probably the top of the list if we were creating one. Um, it's just yeah, we are not in the position to be moving mountains to get him. Like who? Obviously, how the hell are we getting him? Are we doing the? Are we doing the gone downgrade? Are we and and getting rid of Brody or something? You know, that's like the only way. So. Yeah, I mean, I think as Eno mentioned, like the reason why we didn't start a third Prima forward or a Heaney is because structure didn't really allow it. And I think, George, like you've got Gibkiss as one of your defender rookies, which we don't have, which I'm pretty happy with. Uh, and so I guess like I've got to hope that having the extra Primo defender and then better cash generation up front offsets the value that Heaney provides in having Gibkiss down back, which after Heaney's first game, I'm not sure that's true anymore. Um, if he can keep up anything close to that. But yeah, that's like that's where the trade-off is in the structure. So for me, it's just really hard to see how we would bring him in now unless something happened to a McGovern or a Cherry or a Brody or something next week, which facilitated us getting him in. I think we'll assess what he does next week. Because if he goes like 140 again, it, 
you know, chances are he's not going to average 140. But against the Cats as well, like that, that'd be a big game. We did it against the Giants. They're pretty yeah, it's good. Possible. Look, I guess assess next week. Don't need to bring him in this week. Um, the guy I've got here second is sort of the next forward. I mean, it's Taranto. I mean, I know the whole role situation. He's playing forward until Toby Green gets back. But I did say it last week, I think, in the Discord. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if this guy doesn't drop an absolute dollar for the first six weeks until Toby Green's back because he's more than a capable forward. He was really impressive on the weekend. I think he kicked – did he kick two goals? But he had close to 30 touches as well. So I think I kick one goal three, but he's just, he's really important for them. Like he doesn't have to play full-time mid to be, to be scoring well. Um, so would he be up there for you guys? I mean, I think he already is, but you know, do you see him even dropping in price at all? Probably. I mean, you'll probably have one of those games. He had like, well, I think it was 50% disposal efficiency. Yeah. It'll happen, eventually. It'll happen <laughs> eventually. Yeah. So yeah. And he had a really good preseason as well coming into the right age. So, uh, worth noting, he shares the buy with Butters and Cogs. Plus, I think a lot of us will, will have, you know, short, I think Ridley, uh, Hewitt down back. That I think there's one more I'm forgetting. Whitfield. Whitfield. It's uh, hmm. it's going to be That's tough. That's first buyer, isn't it? And I have Steel as well in the midfield. You guys can get him for very yeah. cheap, unfortunately, later. But um, <laughs> I think I'll look at him post-buy. Yeah. I mean, I... I think if he drops in price for Green's return, I'll try and get him then and make that work just because I think there's a chance he does get out of our range. But we're going to see ups and downs with Taranto. As we kind of mentioned, the disposal efficiency is not great and you're going to have games where those clangers add up and he's going to drop some poor scores. But, uh, yeah, just the 32% CBA. So not a ton of mid-time, and I think that will lead to inconsistency. Um, over the coming weeks. But, yeah, well, it's one of those wait and sees. I think if you started him, you're obviously very pleased with the 119 from game one. Beautiful. And then that's pretty much it for now. Look, we'll probably have a longer list next week um, after we get a second game of data. But let's let's now go over some of those mid-price forwards that, that we're all looking at and, and part of the reason why me and JD didn't start Heaney. But Tristan Cherry, so a bit of a troll job by North or just a classic team cheat stuff where he's named Ruck 1. Um, sorry, Goldie's named Ruck 1 on Thursday. Then once the full bench is named in the 22, Cherry moves to Ruck 1 and, and that's exactly what we saw. He, um, I think he spent over 80% time on ground. He attended almost double the Ruck contest that Goldie did and, and Goldie looked pretty good forward. So um, really happy with the pick. You know, 79 is a solid score. I think he gets nicknapped this week, but uh, you know, I see, I see a good score and, and a ton like he put in the preseason game in him at some point. Um, so I'm pretty happy with the pick. How do you, how do you feel about it, George? Uh, it's good. We got number one ruck for 200k. It's pretty good, and he's a decent ruckman. So I guess a, a few people jumped off at the last second. I think um, understandable, but I think there was enough noise in the preseason to start him. Probably don't need to jump on him, but I think he'll be a good one for us. What I love about Cherry is that with myself running wits, um, I know you've got uh, the big green machine Trek at uh, R2 that is potentially going to miss games. Is He becomes really handy cover being able to swap with Hayes or Dixon at R3 at round six when he gets DPP. Uh, so that, that's what I really like about this pick. It just makes some of those riskier ruck options just work out a little bit better than they otherwise would. The, the thing that I don't like about this pick is 
that the three tools I don't think worked for North and it's what's being picked up in a lot of the media this week. He yeah. was obviously better than Coleman Jones, obviously better. And I think it was arguable that he was up there with Goldie, although Goldie had the two goals. So if they do drop uh, tall, I think it's Coleman Jones. But then that does worry that like there could be competition for spots if uh, Cherry doesn't play as well in the next few rounds. That's the only thing that I saw as a, a downside kind of coming out of that game. I don't see that happening, to be honest. If it's yeah, they got a CJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, I think it's mates. I think it's a low chance, but it's just like something to be aware yeah. of. I don't think three yeah. tools worked. They're going to have oh, to drop one. It's, it's, it's been probably not heavily in about, this week, but yeah, yeah. All the media's already said it for the last twenty four hours. But one of my mates, a North <laughs> never fan, never been who, so much North coverage. <laughs> <laughs> one of my mates was at the game. Who's a North fan, and when they got CCJ, he was you know uh, over the moon and. He was texting me at about half time telling me, Can we have him back? Because he was not impressed <laughs> at all. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they do. I think they probably just persist with the three anyway for the short term, but maybe it's something they change later on. So, I think we're all pretty happy with Cherry. Um, maybe we can just quickly move to McGovern first because I think we're pretty happy with him as well. Uh, had kickouts. I think, what was it, JD, four of the eight or something like that? Yep. Four of eight. Looked really oh, impressive. Sorry, four of ten. Four of ten. Oh, four of ten. Either way, he had pretty much most of them looked really impressive in the air. Look, only scored seventy. It's a great score, but he did spend the last ten minutes or so off the ground after trying to take a mark of the year for no reason. But um, <laughs> his his role's perfect. The, the only worry with him ever was his body. Um, but really, really liked what I saw from him. George, are you a little bit concerned, or it's a bad miss? I think. Yeah, uh, tossing up between Brody and McGovern, and opted for the cheaper option. I think I made the wrong call. Is it one you would fix? No, I won't grab him. But uh, the role is perfect, and he's good at it. So it's a little. It's going to be frustrating to watch. But if you got him, good job. Don't have him. And you're, you're happy with him much. Yeah, very happy with McGovern. Yeah, so the kickout's obviously a plus. Uh, he almost had the goal in the game, and then he almost oh, took yeah, mark the of the year with the specky. So, you know, there are a couple of things where if he'd stayed on the park, kick the goal, he could have gone 100 this game, which you're not going to get every game. But, yeah, I liked what I saw. His role was really super coach friendly. He's best 22. It's just the body holding up is the knock on McGovern. That's what we've got to keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, to George's point, like I think if you had Cherry and Brody, you didn't have McGarv, or if you had like McGarv and Brody, you didn't have Cherry. I don't think swapping any of these makes sense because none of them are going to be a keeper. None of them are going to make 150k more than the others. So you kind of just have to, I think, stick fat with whatever you got. Yep. Um, the last guy I guess we'll get to is is Will Brody, who I think George has. You don't have him, DJD. I don't. So. Look, actually looked pretty good in patches and I think the big contentious part with him is just why he keeps spending so much time on the bench. But it was pretty good up until about halfway through the fourth quarter and then he was unsighted for the last 20 minutes. What do you think about that, George? And I guess that was the issue with him heading into the season and during the preseason, but now we've seen it actually play out in a real game. Is it, does it worry you at all? Um, I guess he's cheap, so it's not the worst, but... A uh, little bit of bias remorse here. So I think his ownership was really high and we know what he can do with midfield opportunity, but time and ground is always going to be terrible. So, And yeah, he ran out the game like 20 minutes on the bench in the fourth quarter, really. I don't know how he, the he, coach can cut that. But 34% time on ground for the fourth quarter, 34%. Yeah, I think Longmuir says he likes him, 
I guess says I think he said they asked about Clark and Brody and they Longmuir said you know they're here to stay or something like that they'll be here for a while I think is the exact words so um, <laughs> I mean that's because Brody, Brody's come with a fat Gold Coast Suns contract that they have to see out that's why he's going to yeah. be there for a while <laughs> yeah so I think look I think the scoring will, he, only, he only needs to go about 75 so it's okay um, but I think he's the worst of the three so and I guess the five just, factor. Yeah. What, what do you think about the five factor? Who I think might not play again from what I'm reading or how I'm reading JL's comments. He sort of said he needs to tick a lot of boxes still, which saying that before the cup coming game probably means he's not playing. But yeah, if that's a, an issue and then he's coming in in round three, obviously got to see what Brody produces next week. But does that worry you a bit again with him probably losing a bit more midtime? Uh, a little bit. I'll just write it out until he's he's so cheap. It's not like yeah. it's not the yeah. worst player I've, I've ever picked, but um, I could have just fielded Martin and then used that hundred k elsewhere, I guess. But uh, yeah, maybe he's got a ton in him, so he might be okay. But yeah, it's just a few little red flags here and there, and just hope he keeps holding and scores seventy five plus, and then I'll be happy. Yeah, fair enough. I know you said you wouldn't get McGovern in, but if Brody does really go very poorly and probably, you know, looks to be a bad pick and Gov scores an 80, 90 plus again, would you then think about it? I know it's going to cost you 30K, but, or would you just be going Brody down to the, to a good rookie or? Um, no, I'll let it go. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is like, the thing is, I think McGovern's got like a really, really big score in him. It's, yeah. it's coming, I think, and I'm going to hate it, but. Uh, not much I can do about it now. I don't think I'll, that's not really, you know, I think Brody will keep playing by the sounds of it. So uh, just write it out for a bit. I guess that's a hypothetical for you, JD, but sim- same question. Would What would you, what would I you mean, do? Yeah. Like, uh, so assuming I had Brody, I didn't have McGov. If like, I mean, the thing I'm most worried about this week is Fife coming back and Brody then either playing a lot of time half forward and it kills his scoring uh, or he just gets dropped altogether. So if either one of those two things happen, I think it's really easy sideways trade. Any other situation where he's still playing over 50% mid-time or whatever, like I think he scores well enough even with his limited time on ground to be perfectly fine. So as long as he keeps playing and he's not too too far forward, then you just hang on to him. Fair enough. So that's pretty much all we've got time for now, just under an hour. And we'll quickly go through who we think. Maybe let's go through... We're going to go captains and vice captains, but I've got fieldable questions too. So Mitch Hinge or Paddy McCartan? At I know you have to field both George, but hypothetically at D six, who who would you go this week? McCartan. JD Hinge isn't running games out very well the last two games, so just throw McCartan yeah. on the field. Yeah, oh, six I mean, point second half. <laughs> well, Hinge Hinge had his role top though when Dawson and Miller are like changed positions, which didn't help. But yes, even with the worst role, which maybe might persist now, him scoring six points is not good. So I'd have uh, McCartan. Okay. Josh Ward or Dylan Stevens? George? Stevens, I think Stevens has a higher floor, a bit older, a bit more conditioned for AFL. But Ward, yeah. we know he's capable, but higher ceiling, lower floor sort of, sort of scenario. I'd rather go the safer route in Stevens. Yep. yep, JD. Yeah, neither for me would be ideal, but Stevens is the one that seems to make sense. Better side, they use him. He can at least find it, even if he's not going to 
uh, like provide a 120 at some point. He should be yeah, the high floor, as George mentioned, which after seeing Ward um, put up a 36 last week, I would be taking the high floor. Yep, I think I'm the same, but Ward probably finds his way back onto our fields at some point if we if we do hold on to him. But F6, so obviously depending on your team, but Nick Martin, Jack Hayes or, or Durden, let's go with those three. Is it is it just easy, Nick Martin? Yeah, I think his scoring avenues are a bit more consistent. So I would say in general it's Martin. This week with the matchups, Hayes against Fremantle, I guess is pretty interesting where Essendon play against Brisbane. Uh, so I, I could see an argument for wanting to go Hayes over Martin, but I think both of them over Durden this week. I just don't fancy him against the Bulldogs. I would never feel Durden if I unless I. It can be helped. Can't be helped. I think yeah. in plus matchups, he's feel, fieldable. Like they play um, the Hawks in round three, and I think he's very fieldable there. If you're not happy with like Nick Martin against um, Melbourne, or uh, oh, actually, I think Hayes has got Richmond, so maybe you go there. But I'd like, I think Durden would be fieldable round three. Cool. All right, let's finish with the the vice captains and captains. So, who would your VC be this week, Jaws? I think. You said it to us before, and no McRae. I think it's locked firmly on one of your favourite person. <laughs> um, yeah, every time I hear the words no McRae, I die a little bit inside. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Um, I did it to but myself. You talk us, so, you know, you might be talking well, me and JD into yeah. it as well. So I think in an ideal world, it's Neil into Took. Um, I think McRae only scored 100 on Carlton last year, but. Uh, given Sam DeConing is probably a dedicated loop, he plays Friday night. Dunkley McRae play Thursday night. So I will be going Dunkley into Neil or Took. I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> uh, I think th- there is an option for those that have uh, Machida Owens that don't trade him this week. So if you've got no problems and you can wait until next week and he gets dropped, which I think is likely, they play the last game of the round. So you can actually loop whoever you want. But for everyone else um, with the conning, yeah, I think Thursday night's really our only chance to to use the loophole. So that would be Dogs or Carlton. McRae or Dunkley, JD? I think I'll go Dunkley if Bontempelli doesn't play. Yeah. I think I'll stick stick fat with McRae. For this point, you know, he's just he's very, very safe and he's part of the reason we did pick him anyway. So stick with him and... and Look, I do like the upside with Dunkley. We do know he has massive scores in him, so it will tempt me. But, um, I mean, just quickly, what's even happening with Libby? He played pretty much half forward the whole game. That can't continue, can it? He was like one of the best inside mids last year. I think he oh, interrupted yeah. preseason. We'll see how he goes. Yeah, someone told me he was returning from COVID as well, which I'm not sure if it's true. Like, I haven't oh. verified it. He, he had exactly one CBA, so. Yeah, that's just crazy low. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you think that's got to change? I mean, and it'll be interesting to see if Bond's out this week, then maybe he yeah. does get a lot more, more mid-time. What happens there? Yeah. All right, guys, anything else we haven't covered or you quickly want to? Want to cover anything happening this did week? We carry, did we carry? Did we speak on? I think we spoke on Jared Berry's injury. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, what's the um, latest on his shoulder? The report is um, inflammation or irrit- sorry, irritation around his shoulder capsule. It looks quite bad. I guess it seems like he's fine. They said no structural damage. So, 
Um, I really needed to punt someone for lip. Now I feel like I have to hold Berry. So I'm, nah, I think yeah, he's a hold. They play Essendon this week. Like you've got to hold. Yeah, I can't. I want Lipinski. I don't have an avenue without. Uh, I'm annoyed for you. He did that ankle. You probably, although you wouldn't because of Rao, you just would not have had him. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I, I reckon yeah, if, yeah. Lipins- if Lipinski had gone 120 in the preseason, he oh, would have yeah. picked him over Rao. He would have picked him over Rao for sure. No, 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 no. I would have picked both. You found There's a way no for way. both. Rao's ceiling yeah. would have killed me. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, it's worth up actually just speaking of Lipinski and Raul, updating everyone on the bet. So, <laughs> okay. Raul, uh, well, Raul actually. It, yeah. I mean, I was, I was worried, right? So, Shield went 101. Lipinski went 133. Was it 137? I thought, oh, wow. There's no way Raul is like leading after round one. But then the 157 from the shiny golden right. god. It was total points. It's... Yeah. Total points. Uh, I think so. Like, I don't know. We Surely we have to agree to a minimum number of rounds they play. Well, but, I yeah. think, yeah. to be honest, I think you should just say to me that um, because Rao had osteitis pubis and that was hidden from us, like, that's not fair on the bet. I think it should be voided. <laughs> it's not fair. Do you think we're it's fair? Working, I think it's no, fair. We're, we're all working on the same information. And I didn't no. know either. It's not like he called me up and told me, like... <laughs> JD, man. I had OP last Bet week. On good. Don't worry. Bet on me. Yeah. <laughs> Double down. Respect on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I think that's all for this week. Um, good luck for the coming the coming round. Don't don't go too nuts on your trades. Don't trade Boost Lipinski. And See you later, <laughs> <laughs> Give everyone another week, and then and next week will probably be a pretty big podcast um, on to who we we have to correct who we have to get in who we have to trade out so any final words boys for anyone that doubted me cam rayner is officially a super coach bum <laughs> what about horn francis no he's all right we, we, <laughs> we, we, he's all right we found out noble was a liar and he was going to play more midfield than he let on so he's not going to be a super coach bum he's he's good and he looked really good on the weekend too north got to be happy about that one yeah a lot of good young players actually so Exciting times. All right. See you, boys.